Several years ago, I was fairly unemployed, and my pastor hooked me up to work for the census. All I had to do was go door to door in a particular neighborhood and help Spanish-speaking people fill out the census form. I must say, it was a very interesting couple of weeks. Now, there are some people in Canada who want to scrap the mandatory long form of the census, and I am remembering those days so long ago. Let me explain. Most people get a short census form. It collects basic information: age, marital status, ethnic background, religion, number of children, that sort of thing. But every 50 or so households receive a long-form census. This one is more involved, with all kinds of questions from property ownership to employment, mobility, childcare, housing, and income. The issue? Well, some people feel that some of this information should be private and confidential, and that the government has no business asking how many rooms your house has. The thing is. Many organizations, including the Catholic Church, rely on this information in order to provide services. It's not a campaign to invade people's privacy or "Big Brother is watching." This information is useful. Here's what I think: We expect the state to provide us with various services, but then we don't want to give anything to the state in return. I think that's silly. From what I remember. Most people were happy to fill out the long-form census. They needed help, and sometimes questions would go unanswered. But generally, there were no issues. In fact, I would be happy to fill out the long-form census anytime. I don't believe it's an infringement on my privacy. I get a lot from the Canadian government and the various organizations that use this data. It's the least I can do to help them out. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and this is Salt and Light Radio. There's no debating that staying in shape is just as important physically as it is spiritually. But so often, with the fast pace of life and the well, the busyness of life, things like exercise and prayer are the first things to go. Well, if you're one of these people who can't find the time for prayer and fitness, or you feel that it's one or the other, fear no more. There is a new workout just for you. Michael Carrera joins us now to tell us all about it. Michael, welcome to Salt and Light Radio. Oh, thank you, Pedro. Thank you for having me. So, the Catholic Workout. <laughs> what, what, what's what's that all about? Well, really, the Catholic Workout, the book and and the DVD that I have are really two things. First of all, it's how I had to work out my faith uh, in in, the, in my work out my Catholic faith, uh-huh. in particular, bringing God from my head to the heart. Uh-huh. And but besides that, it's actually a workout. I'm a personal trainer. And the Catholic workout is five exercises that people do, and these five exercises in particular bring people through the Passion of Christ while they recite the Decades of the Rosary. Okay, um, why why uh, a book and a DVD? Why not just tell people, hey, why don't you pray while you exercise? Like, why does it need to be? More than just that. Well, you see, what it is. This is an actual. It's a system. It's a system of integrating prayer and exercise. You see, when you're able to involve the body into movements along with prayer, it actually heightens the level of what it is that you're feeling. So, for example, I'll give you an example. When yeah. we when we pray the Rosary, we it's a Latin term known as Compositio Loci, where we tell people to place themselves in a place. 
So, for example, we're praying the rosary and we're meditating on the sorrowful mystery. So we're praying with our mind, with our heart, with our soul, and we're seeing the events of what's going on right. in the Passion of Christ. Right. When you add the body to it, you're adding the level of feeling to it. Uh-huh. So you're better able to understand and feel, even at a very minute level, at what the Lord went to on, uh, went through on that day. Now, we tell our kids all the time in sports, leave it on the field. In essence, we say, give it all you got and don't look back. Well, what the Lord, I feel, is telling us is to leave it at the foot of the cross. So really, when you're praying and you're involving your body also in some sort of a system of prayer where you're able to exert yourself and then stop and meditate, it's elevating that level of awareness. So is there anything specific about the types of physical exercise that you've chosen for a particular mystery, let's say, of the rosary? Yes, or no, does no, it matter? Yes, that's a very good question. See, for example, there is, th- there is that whole notion of you can choose any exercise. But these five exercises are actually movements that mimic some point in the Passion of Christ. So, for example, the first exercise, which is a regular fitness exercise that I use with my clients all the time, but it's called the scourging and, and the nailing of the hands. Uh-huh. So you're actually going through the movement and placing your body, not only as the event of what actually happened, but actually going through the movement and imagining the movement of what was happening at that moment. And then you go to the nailing of the feet, and then you go to the removal of the body from the cross, and then you finally end with the resurrection and ascension to heaven. So there's different notions that you go through through the passion so that you're actually bringing your body into it versus simply doing a physical exercise and trying to meditate on it. So you're actually moving your body to the motion. So because, because the exercise uh, sort of mimics an aspect of the motion, it helps you enter into the mystery more so than if I was just swimming and with every lap I do, uh, uh, say, Hail Mary. Right, exactly, which is also good, yeah. see, which is also very good. But what we're trying to do here is really trying to integrate it in the best way possible so that what I am concentrating on and to stop distraction so that I can keep my focus on Christ. And that's why, for example, you do an exercise and then you go ahead and you pray the three prayers of the rosary before you move on. to It's, it's, it's a whole decade of the rosary that you pray through with each, with each exercise. But there's something even more specific than that. The repetitions that I chose, for example, 11 repetitions per set, really signifies the first 11 priests when the Lord broke the bread for the first time. Oh. And then you repeat that three times. So now we have three times 11, we have 33, which mm-hmm. is the age of the Lord's death. And then with the number three also, you have the Trinity. So this whole process is trying to place their heart their mind, their soul, and their body at that point to try and min- minimize distraction as much as possible and to try and keep your focus on what it is you're trying to achieve. Right, and you're not, uh, and just to clarify, so, so you're not praying while you're doing the exercise. You, the, you, the, the, it's, it's, a, it's a cycle. You do a set of exercises, pause, say the prayer. Exactly. Is that how it works? Exactly. So if I were to give you an example of the, it's the first part of the rosary, which is we have the Apostles' Creed and then we have the three Hail Marys and, and the Glory Be, that's the warm-up. That roughly takes three minutes. Yeah. So if I can give you an example of one decade, you would start off with the Our Father prayer in silence without moving. You uh-huh. would say the Our Father, the Our Father, without movement, sorry, with, you would say the Our Father prayer. Then you would do one set of the exercise of 11 repetitions. Then you would pause and say three Hail Marys. Then you would do the second set do pause, say that another three Hail Marys, uh-huh. and then you do the third set, and then that would leave us the, four, the last four Hail Marys and the closing prayers of the decade before right. starting decade two. Right. Okay, I get it. Now, just a note for anyone joining the program at this time, you're listening to Salt and Light Radio. I'm Pedro Guevara, man. We're speaking with uh, uh, personal trainer and author Michael Carrera about his new uh, book and DVD set, uh, The Catholic Workout. Now, it's, it's called Catholic. Mm-hmm. It's the rosary. So who's this for? If I'm not Catholic, am I left out because I can't? Or can I adapt it to any other prayer? See, that's a a very good question. I actually addressed that in the book. Mm -hmm. See, 
when you when you break it down, what unites all Christians is the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. and that's why we concentrate on the passion. So, if someone wants to do the exercise while not while not reciting the prayers of the Rosary, they can choose to do whatever prayers they'd like in that. So I tell people, for example, if the Our Father prayer, if there's other Christian prayers that you like, as long as you give yourself roughly 40 seconds in between sets, that's enough so you actually have a good physical workout along with make it, making it much more prayerful. And that's really the thing that I want people to understand about this workout, is that the workout is supported physiologically. It's the type of workout that is the best of what you can do in terms of intensity for your body. But then we added the spiritual dimension for it. And really, so you don't have to function under the notion of all or none. I either work out or I, or I pray. You can really have it all in one. And the way we make it all in one is by really focusing on the passion of Christ in particular. So even if someone is not Catholic, they can still do the workout because the events still bring them through the passion of Christ, which is really what unites us as Christians. And I see something about the physicalness of the passion, but if people wanted to do the joyous mysteries or the glorious or luminous? Oh, that, sure, of course. And once again, I also say that. I mean, it's really bringing people through the decades of the rosary. And that's why I call it, it's not really, it is a workout, but I call it more it's a system of prayer that uh-huh. integrates the physical with the spiritual. So, for example, you know, a month down the road, if someone wants to try a different exercise, they simply have to put the exercises in according to where I place them in the categories. So they can use whatever exercises they want, and they can use whatever mysteries that they want. But the heart of the Catholic workout, of what's delivered me in understanding and in truly embracing the depthness of our faith, was concentrating on the passion of Christ, right. which is why I directed the book in that, in right. that way. Now, um, you've been doing this for a long time. You're a personal trainer. You're a, uh, an exercise physiologist. We're not exactly sure what that means, <laughs> but it sounds important. Um, um, you mentioned earlier that you that this was a way that you it helped you bring your faith into your uh, into balance with your professional life. Mm-hmm. If I maybe I'm paraphrasing a little yes, bit. So how how did you come to that? I mean, were you struggling as a as a Catholic to bring your faith into your into your professional life? Or you know what I, I was I was struggling with something I call the dichotomy of insight. See, in my mind, I wanted salvation. In my mind, I wanted the Lord. I wanted to embrace the Lord. I wanted to have a life filled with the Lord. But then there was the struggles of humanity. There was the temptations of the world, the, the notion of, I can't bring Jesus with me to the boardroom. And that's really where I suffered, saying, how am I possibly going to live a Christian life in this world? And I struggled with that. And I know we are all called to evangelize. But how was I going to do that? Was I going to lose clients? Were they not going to take me on because I'm, I'm Catholic, because I'm Christian? Are they going to yeah. think that I'm out of my mind? And really, that's the struggle that I had. But it was only when I finally came to embracing and opening my heart up and really letting go and trusting in God that I saw that the best way that that I could, I'm going to use the word fix this problem for myself, was to try and combine what I know, which is the physical aspect of it, my my vocation, Mm -hmm. with, with what I love, which is the Lord. So really, I stopped studying God, and I started to love God. And once I was able to do that, I was able to bring what I do in the outside world with what I believe in my heart. And that really was the birth of the Catholic workout. And how's it going? Are you finding that once this integration I- is perfected in your own life, that it's actually helping? Well, it helped me. I mean, obviously it's helped me physically because it's, it's physical, it's the fitness, uh, it's fitness principles that, that apply to the workout. But it's tremendous, tremendously helped me um, spiritually because what I really lacked in was gratitude. Hmm. I spent so much time looking at what I didn't have that I forgot of how much I did have. 
And I tell you one thing, that when you exercise and you're hurting and you're sweating and you're increasing your heart rate and you're placing your mind on the event that has forever shocked and revolutionized the world, you can feel nothing but ultimate gratitude. Yeah, and it brings you one with the Lord and it revitalizes you and gives you new life for what it is that you need to do. You know what? I, it makes perfect sense to me. I hope it does to our listeners. Um, enough to make them want to uh, find out more. Um, we've been speaking with Michael Carrera. He is an exercise physiologist, a personal trainer, and author. His newest book, The Catholic Workout, it's a book DVD set, um, b- helping you build your body and build your faith. Um, you can find out more about The Catholic Workout and, uh, or, or how to purchase it at the website, thecatholicworkout.com. We'll, we'll put a link on that uh, on our site. Also, if you can't remember, thecatholicworkout.com. Um, Michael, thank you so much. Oh, thank you, Pedro. It's been great speaking with you, and uh, hopefully we'll, uh, <laughs> I'm going to have to start working out, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, I was just going to ask our listeners that now it's, it's, it, it, we'd like to hear from you. It's your turn. Tell us how you pray and work out. Some people swim, like I said. Some people, you know, maybe write us, radio at saltandlighttv.org, and let us know how you pray, how you integrate your prayer and your exercise. Uh, radio at saltandlighttv.org. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel, Sirius 159 and XM 117. Here now is our featured artist of the week, Robert Galea, from his new album, Reach Out, the song Fragile Heart. Too long, I thought I could go along. Scattered dreams, all my hopes trampled on the floor. Too many times before, I'm hoping now you would write your name upon my paper heart. Words of love. To when it feels we're worlds apart Turn my life around Give me a brand new start Set my feet on solid ground You wrote your name on my fragile Change! 
brand new start Set my feet on solid ground That was our featured artist of the week, Father Robert Gallia, with Fragile Heart. If you were listening to Salt and Light Radio in May 2009, you would have heard a special concert that we aired featuring a young Maltese seminarian who was studying in Australia. At the time, Robert Gallia was best known for his participation during World Youth Day 2008. Well, Robert Gallia is now Father Robert Gallia, he was ordained to the priesthood last May, and he has a new album, Reach Out. He was in Malta last week, where we reached him on the phone. Father Robert, welcome to Salt and Light Radio. Thank you very much. So, um, d- I guess I should start by congratulating you. We haven't spoken since your, your ordination. So, you've recently, I guess it's not that recent anymore, but you've recently been ordained to the priesthood. Yes, I am still getting used to it, and it's, it's been a great few weeks, but... Um, yeah, I, I always say that the best is yet to come as I begin my ministry right. um, in Australia. So you're in a parish in Australia? Yes, so I'm, I'm working in a parish um, called Shepparton, which is um, about two hours away from Melbourne. Okay. Um, as a as a, a curate at the moment. Okay, what does that mean? Sorry, is that like an associate <laughs> the pastor? curate is a, a vice parish priest, a okay. vice pastor. Yeah, here in Canada, um, we call them associate pastors, yeah. Associate pastor, that's it. Okay. That, well, that's okay. You don't want to be a full pastor yet. Make sure somebody, <laughs> Not yet, no, somebody else makes the all, the b- all the big decisions and you just do all the fun stuff. Exactly, exactly. With um, all the responsibility. Right. Now, uh, <laughs> but you're in Australia, but you're Maltese. So how does that work? Were you ordained yeah, for um, the... I started my seminary formation when I was in, um, in Malta. I did my first four years in Malta. Then I went to work in Australia to gain some experience. And I just fell in love with the place. I fell in love with the people. Um, and I just knew somehow that this was my place. Um, I work in a diocese which, is, which has um, about 45 parishes and 20 active priests. So um, even in my parish, we look after three mass centers. So oh, really? It's, it's quite busy. Yeah, it's been, it keeps us quite busy. So is, uh, 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 here in Canada, that, those, that, that diocese would be probably a mission diocese. Are they called mission diocese in that they don't have, you don't have enough priests or enough wealth? No, I, thi- I think it would hurt a lot of people's pride to say that. But in, in actual uh. fact, yes, it is a mission diocese. Yeah. Um, vocations are, are lacking very much. Okay, so you're, you're kept busy. Now, how does, how does your music fit into your new ministry as a priest? Yeah, um, I think the role of a priest um, is to do proclaim the gospel to te- to tell the gospel to the to the people of God and um I one of my main roles is to speak to the hearts of the people and to speak the um to proclaim the gospel in a way that people can understand and I don't see any better means than than using music to to proclaim the gospel because music is the language of the heart it transcends the mind goes beyond the mind and goes straight into the heart do you find and, that and um, I use music um to emphasize what I'm already saying and doing through my ministry. I always say I'm first a Christian, 
then I am a priest, and then only then right. am I a musician. Right. Do you, do you find that because you're young and because you're a musician, you end up doing a lot of stuff for youth? I do, yes. Um, I'm, I tend to work a lot in schools and in, in a high-security um, prison, juvenile prison oh, really? in Australia. Really? And I use music in, in that way. For example, I'd go into a, a prison um, group and I'd start speaking and people wouldn't pay attention. Then... Oh, hold on a second. Let's see if we can stop. Yeah, no, that's okay. Uh, th- then I'd go to... Um, and they wouldn't pay attention. And then I'd go to um, another... I'd pick up the guitar, just start singing, and all of a sudden, they're all ready to pay attention. Right, right. It's just and amazing, because it's, it's a language that they can understand. Yeah. And so, so, absolu- so even if... So you're talking about the prison or the school or both? Yeah, I think it's both. Sometimes I wonder which is worse, the prison or the school. Right, right. <laughs> so you find it's that... W- um, it, it doesn't just work... Um, sometimes people are, uh, within a prison there is some sense of, of discipline within a school somehow people are rebellious and continue to be rebellious right but it's um, I, I love working in schools I love the rebellious teens at the back of the class for example because they're the first to listen once the music is played right right now just a note for anyone joining the program at this time you're listening to Salt and Light Radio I'm Pedro Guevara Man we're speaking to our featured artist of this week Father Robert Galea um, you, you're just telling us about uh, you know that, that kid in the back row and, and I think that you you probably like those kids because you can relate to them in a way, right? Yes, I can. I can. I spent a lot of years um, sort of in in rebellion at time where I didn't want to listen to the gospel. I didn't want to listen. Didn't want to have anything to do with church, church or, or, or with God, yeah. for that matter. Yeah. And um, it wasn't until this this man um, in the middle of a prayer meeting started to talk about God in a way I had never understood. It was just. Um, and from that moment, I decided to turn my life around. He right. spoke about God as, as a friend. And this is the, the heart of my message. This is the heart of, of the gospel, actually, that we don't need to be afraid of God. God is not there to take things away from us, but to bless us, to, to help us enjoy life and live life to the full. Right. And you'd say, so, so you'd, you'd say that even through your music, that's the main message? Yes, I think, especially um, my latest album, which I've just released, speaks about that. It's called Reach Out. And it's, yep. it's about um, reaching out to God who's already reaching out to us, that God is not as far away as we think. You know, I've spent so much time with suffering teenagers, and so often they end, in, end up in a place of desperation because they don't, think, they don't have anyone to reach out to. They don't even, in such an individualistic nation as Australia, they have no one to, to, to cry out to when they're in need. Mm-hmm. And so from the age of 13 to 35, there's a, there's a, there's a sort of a an increase in the rate of suicide, for example, because there's a, they, f- they are trying to reach out to something, but uh, nothing seems to, to be working for them. Right, so this right. album is about sort of reach, uh, the main song says, reach out to the hand that is longing to save you, that's already reached out towards you. Right, yeah, that's a, that's a great image, that the God that loves us so much, he's already there, we just need to uh, accept it. Um, were you always, uh, I guess you were always involved in music? even though you were going through a period of rebellion, as you, but you were always involved in music growing up? No, I, I picked up the guitar and started playing music when I was about 17 oh, years really? old. Oh, really? I, I didn't play music before. I'm a self-taught musician in a sense. Yeah. Um, but um, 
music always I always loved listening to music let's put it that way and I was okay. always the first to learn the lyrics of a song before all of my friends right right um, so yes yeah, somehow music uh, calmed me down and um, there were times I used to be so angry to so slam the door of my room and put on my Metallica CD full blast and just right. spend hours just listening and yeah, allowing myself to get lost in the music, sometimes in the wrong kind of music. But yeah, so you were already you were already back w in the faith when you picked up the guitar. Yes, I was. I was. It was I had just started sort of my conversion, um, and walking with God, and I picked up the guitar and I started to to copy. Basically, I started to copy musicians I used to see on on MTV and other television music television stations. Right. Do and um, and then before I knew it, I started to listen to Christian music and I started playing that and uh -huh. eventually started praying and um, playing my music in church and in stuff. prayer meetings. Yeah, nice. Now, um do you see a connection then be between the the music and your your conversion? Um I do, yes, because somehow people can express it. um sometimes prayer we need to open our hearts to God, and sometimes yeah. we we don't know what to say, we don't know what to do, and I believe that music helped me in that. It helped me say things that that words couldn't say. It helped me um, cry when I couldn't cry. It helped me um, sort of try try and reach out to God when I couldn't reach out. Right, 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 right. Um, and 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 uh, this is reach out is your fourth album. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. It is if it's you include the Divine Mercy Chaplet. Yes, yes. Which, by the way, it's I, I really enjoyed it. I don't know if I actually managed to tell you or got to tell you, but I, I did. I love it. It's very good. It's very well done. <laughs> so here's a plug for Robert Galea's Divine Mercy Chaplet. Um, actually, a plug for all his music. Uh, he's got four albums. Uh, the latest one, Reach Out. If you were in Malta the uh, last week, you, you, you would have had the chance to go to uh, one of his concerts. Uh, and if you're in Australia, certainly uh, look him up. Um, yeah. Hopefully we can have you back in Canada one day soon, Rob. Yes, I hope to be coming later this year. Um, oh, later in um, 2011, that is. Oh, excellent, excellent. And and maybe hopes for Madrid? Yes. World Youth Day? I'll be there in Madrid too, on a, on a hopefully a small stage, because last time I think I was a bit overwhelmed a by a the big stage. A little too big. Anyway, Robert, Father Robert, um, nice to chat with you. That's all the time we have, but it's been great to connect with you and to uh, to allow our listeners to learn a little bit more from you. And uh, we're going to actually, we're going to play Reach Out so that people can get to hear that one song, the title track of the new album. So thank you very much. Thanks and God bless. That was Father Robert Gallia. I spoke to him last week while he was in Malta for a new album release concert. You can find out more about him and his music at his website, thatsworship.com. Here now is Father Robert Gallia from his new album, Reach Out, with the song, Stronger. I know what goes up must come down, but your love defies gravity. I know... What goes around comes around, but your grace lifts me to higher ground. To higher ground, yeah. They say, where there's a will, there is a way, and you say you me stronger when I fall down. You make me taller to stand 
Fighting for the willing power gets strong Feelings change into sound through the song You are all I need, I will always succeed The chess piece, for God to enable his deeds I pray for the strength to increase each day Disintegrate the obstacles and show me the way Stronger You pick me up every time I fall down Lift me up so I can stand my ground I'm John Dawson, and you're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel, Sirius 159, XM 117. What will the Catholic Church be like in a hundred years? Will we have married priests? Will there be a woman pope? Will the pope be based in Rome? There's a new book that explores some trends that might help us predict the future of the Church. I spoke to the author of The Future Church, John Allen, earlier this week while he was on a lecture tour in Toronto. So, uh, John Allen, welcome to Salt and Light Radio. It is a great pleasure. So you have this new book, <laughs> the new book, The Future Church, How Ten Trends Are Revolutionizing the Catholic Church. Uh, what was the, uh, I guess, the motivation or the inspiration for this book? Where does this come from? Well, two things. One is I wanted to intentionally kind of cast this conversation in global terms, because I think in many ways we're all sort of captives of our own circumstances, right? So when we think about the church, we think about the church in Toronto or the church in Birmingham or wherever, wherever you happen to right. be. The, but we need to remember that there are 1.2 billion Catholics in the world in every nook and cranny of the planet, two-thirds mm -hmm. of them now living in the global south. It's important to think about that. Um, and so part of it was to provide that global frame. The other thing was uh, that, you know, as a, as a journalist who covers the Vatican and the Catholic Church regularly, um, I'm extraordinarily sensitive to the fact that uh, the, the, the canon of issues that typically figure in media coverage of the Catholic Church is pretty narrow. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, if you and I walked out in the street right now, and, and just stop 10 people at random and ask them, what are the issues facing the Catholic Church? We'd probably get the same set of stuff, right? Gay marriage, the sex abuse crisis, abortion, women. And those right. are all extraordinarily important issues, obviously, and well worth chewing over. But we also know that, you know, there's a hell of a lot more going on in the Catholic Church. Mm -hmm. um, and so the, the, the other agenda with this book, I guess, uh, was to sort of flesh out the story. In other words, to tell the untold story of what's happening in the Catholic Church all over the world. Okay, because I think that sometimes people might look, you talk about trends, and people might, might read that and think that you're actually talking about 
change or predicting change, but that's not what you're, that's not what you're doing. Listen, if you want to know my track record as a prognosticator, bear in mind that in 1999, I published a book predicting that Cardinal Joseph Ratzinger would never become Pope. And of course, today he sits on the throne of Peter as Pope Benedict XVI. So I ain't in the future prediction business. My, my argument, well, the reason I call this the future church is that because trying to think about what's sort of around the corner doesn't so much tell us anything about the future, it tells us something about the present. I mean, in other words, it invites us to sort through the kind of normal stuff, the, the, the isolated events and random news headlines that are always washing across our radar screens, and try to get our hands around those forces that are truly most fundamental uh, in terms of carrying Catholicism into the future. That's what I was trying to do in the book. Now, just a note for anyone joining the program at this time, you're listening to Salt and Light Radio. I'm Pedro Guevara Man. We're speaking with Vatican expert and author John Allen. He has a new book called The Future Church, How Ten Trends Are Revolutionizing the Catholic Church. Now, can you give us an example of, of, of some of these trends? What, what are we looking at? Sure. Well, one of them is what I call uh, a world church, and what I mean by that is a transition from a Catholicism that was concentrated primarily in Europe and North America to a Catholicism that is truly global. I mean, if you run the numbers today, there are 1.2 billion Catholics on the planet. Two-thirds of them live in the Southern Hemisphere, mm -hmm. Africa, Asia, Latin America. Mm -hmm. By mid-century, that's going to be three-quarters. In other words, three out of every four are Catholic men, women, and children alive will live in the Southern Hemisphere. So that in the 21st century, places like Manila and Nairobi and Jakarta will become what Paris and Louvain and Milan were in the 15th and 16th centuries. In other words, the primary centers of new theological imagination, new pastoral energy, new political leadership. Uh, I think it's really interesting to try to think through what all that means. Okay, so can we, can we do that? But, uh, just play with me here. So if you're saying that it's not helping us predict change, but it can, because if the center of the church becomes Jakarta or Nigeria or somewhere, does that mean that we will have an African pope or an Arab pope? I mean, why not? Well, I mean, first of all, we already have had African popes. I mean, yes, in the early centuries of the church, there I, were popes I, I, in North Africa. But I bet, sure. Absolutely. Look, uh, you know, in terms of the papacy, if the question is, will we one day have a third, quote-unquote, third world yeah. pope? Oh, of course we will. Um, I actually think that the election of John Paul II in 1978, you know, the, the first non-Italian in centuries, shattered the, the, not only the Italian monopoly in the papacy, but I think it shattered the era in which geography was at all relevant. Mm -hmm. I mean, in the, in the conclave of April 2005, uh, the cardinals didn't elect Joseph Ratzinger because he was German. I mean, in a sense, they almost elected him in spite of the fact <laughs> that he was German. I mean, in the abstract, if you ask them, would you prefer a European or an African or a Latin American? Many of them would have said the African or Latin American. Yeah. But the point is, they weren't looking at what passport the guy held. You know, they were looking for the best man for the job. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, if there is a, an, a sort of a, an equivalent of Joseph Ratzinger, not in the sense that anyone can be exactly him, but who would possess the same cocktail yeah. of qualities, uh, who happens to come from Africa or Latin America or Asia, absolutely yes. That guy automatically, I, I think, would become a serious candidate to be Pope. Well, and as, as the, the shift moves to those churches in the South, maybe that means that there will be the opportunity for people in those countries to become like uh, Joseph Ratzinger. Why do you say that the trends are revolutionizing the church? Do we really see it as a revolution? Well, I mean, I think the story of Catholicism always is the kind of balance between continuity and change. So on the one hand, the church is semper idem, you know, always the same. I mean, in other words, there are certain core values, core teachings that are non-negotiable and that are constant. On the other hand, the church is also always being revolutionized. Mm -hmm. You know, the Council of Trent. 
uh, in the 16th century revolutionized the Catholic Church. The Second Vatican Council in the mid-60s revolutionized the Church. The papacy of John Paul II revolutionized. I mean, wouldn't you agree with me that those Absolutely. were all revolutionary yeah, yeah, moments? Yeah, yeah. And so there's nothing counterintuitive about the notion that there are things going on today that are also laying the groundwork for a future revolution. It, it, do you think that part of the maybe problem is not the right word, but part of the problem is that people are always thinking about here and now and their own life, and they're not thinking of generations or 100 years from now. So when we think of, oh, this is the worst thing that's going to happen to the church is the sex abuse scandal or something. But it's not. I mean, the church has been rocked by scandals, as you said, since the beginning of time. So do we need to step back and look at, at the larger picture um, of the church when, we, when we're making those sort of judgments? Well, look, I mean, I don't want to soft sell the gravity of the sexual abuse crisis. I mean, it has been a massive blow to the internal life of the church, and it has also uh, badly compromised the moral authority of the Catholic Church in the public square. Uh, so by no means do I want to minimize how important it is. But what I would tell you is this. If you took one of those Rand McNally wall charts of world history, you know how in grade school yeah. they used to sell these things to yeah. you? If you put it up on a wall, okay, if you took 2,000 years of church history, and you put a blindfold on and randomly threw a dart, no matter where it landed, whether it was the 9th or 19th century, there would be crisis and controversy and disaster. Yeah. In other words, there would be a case for despair in that moment, and there would also be a case for hope. And I think that's also the story of the early 21st century. I mean, if you want to look for the case for despair for Catholicism now, it is in some ways depressingly easy to make. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, uh, you know, if you take the blinders off and take a clear-eyed look around, there are also a thousand and one points of light out there um, that can assemble a really powerful case for hope. Mm -hmm. So is that your hope for the book, that, that the people will see these trends and see that it's pointing us towards hope? Well, look, um, Pedro, in the first place, uh, what my hope for the book is that I got the story right. Okay. I mean, I hope in each one of these ten trends that I describe, not only am I right that this is an important trend, but I hope the way I presented it is accurate and helpful. Um, but, I mean, if you're asking, having done all of that, I mean, would I like to believe that this, po that this book also kind of fuels a sense of hopefulness about the future prospects of Catholicism? Of course I would. Because, uh, you know, I'll tell you, taking off my journalist hat and putting on my, Catholic, my, my Catholic hat, mm -hmm. okay, you know, I am profoundly convinced that there is an enormous reservoir of positive energy and new vision and creativity uh, afoot in the church these days. And I wish sometimes that more people were able to see it. Thank you very much for sharing your ideas with us. That was Vatican expert and author John Allen. I spoke to him earlier this week. His book, The Future Church, How Ten Trends Are Revolutionizing the Catholic Church, can be purchased at any bookstore. You can also read John Allen's blog at the National Catholic Reporter website. And we'll put that link um, on our website, saltandlighttv.org radio. And you can write to us to tell us your opinions on this topic. What do you think the church will look like a hundred years from now? Write to us, radio at saltandlighttv.org. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel, Sirius 159 and XM 117. Here now is Rosanna Reversal with He's the One.
Listening to Salt and Light Radio heard on the Catholic Channel and on the internet at saltandlighttv.org/slash radio. I'm Pedro Guevara Man. And that was Rosanna Reverso with He's the One from her album Let There Be Peace. Now, remember the priests, the Irish singing priests? Well, last time they were in Canada, they sang in Toronto, and with them sang a beautiful soprano with a powerful voice. Turns out that her name is Rosanna Reverso. And she's Catholic. And she's not just in it to make money. She believes that it is her duty to use her talents for the greater good. She donates her time and musical abilities for various charitable events. Right now, for example, she's in the middle of her annual Peace Concert Tour. And this is her way of spreading the Christian faith and raising funds for local churches and charities. And Rosanna Reverso joins me now on the phone. Welcome to Salt and, Lady, uh, Salt and Light Radio, Rosanna. Hi there, Pedro. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no, it's great to have you. Um, you've been performing since you were a little, little girl, seven years old or something, right? Yes. So what was it like in your home growing up? Was it like the Von Trapp family singers? <laughs> well, I'm actually the, the youngest of three girls. Okay. And... Um, uh, the the middle the middle sister the the middle child um, was already involved in music and she's about eight years older than I am oh really so um, with that age with that age uh, difference as a very very young girl I was listening to her she would play the piano and so her that was her passion was was playing the piano so I was always around around her you know I looked up to her and my father is also someone who really loves the arts. Um, he would always be taking my sisters and I to to plays and to musicals and and even to the opera, which uh-huh. really wasn't our thing as kids. Right. <laughs> okay, so you were singing at church, so obviously you were going to mass every Sunday. Was was your faith life also at at home? Was it a rich faith life, or is that something that came later for you? No, I think it was. Uh, it, it did come very early on. I went to Catholic school as well, mm-hmm. and uh, my my parents were both very. Um, very devout, faith, uh, faithful Christian, faithful Catholics. My father, for as long as I can remember, has been uh, a reader at church and uh-huh. a Eucharistic minister um, and volunteers a lot of his time um, to various charities uh, and, and church activities, uh, right. the Knights of Columbus as well. Oh, yeah. And my mother is just someone who um, really inspired me to turn to prayer she saw you know she's not maybe as active in the church as my father is mm-hmm. but um you know she's the the person that is always every friday at a novena at a various church in in our city and um you know whenever 
whenever, what, both good times or bad times, uh, her first, I guess, place that she yeah, turns she to is, is prayer. And so I learned that both, definitely from my parents. Right. Um, and I think, if anything, I got that at an early age, and it was, like I said, at, uh, similar to to my steering away from classical music, it was the, the years of adolescence and, and going into university where I maybe, you know, steered off the path a bit. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, although I, I always loved God and I always, you know, believed in Jesus and and I, I perhaps wasn't as um, de- devoted to, to prayer and to, you know, going to Sunday Mass regularly while I was you know, um, in university and uh-huh. focusing more on my studies. Right. Now, anyone joining the program at this time, you're listening to Salt and Light Radio. I'm your host, Pedro. We're speaking with our featured artist of the week, Rosanna Reverso. Uh, I just want to quickly ask you a little bit about your music, because you don't just sing, you know, Schubert's Ave Maria. You, you also do contemporary stuff, and you write your own music. So, And we've heard two of your songs already. Um, he's the one. He's Can the you one t- and Fly On, And I Fly believe. On. Can you tell us a little bit about those songs? Yes. Um, well, He's the One is a song that I, I wrote really as a, as a response to, to studying the Gospel of John. Um, mm. The past uh, few years have been a, an emotional and spiritual journey for me. Back in, in 2004, my mother was, was diagnosed with, with cancer, and it was pretty um, stressful. Mm-hmm. And it was a time in my life where... I um, was confused about uh, the path that I, you know, should take in terms of my career choices thus far, and mm-hmm. and so um, that was really the point at which I felt I um, turned back, really turned back to God. Whereas prior to that, I was, um, you know, looking to myself and my own powers to, to make things happen or to get answered, my own reasoning instead of just mm-hmm. praying for God to to guide me. And so um, it was during that time that I really just felt he was calling me to just go back to the Word, go back to my, my, my faith. And so I started with, with the Gospel of John. And right. when I was reading, um, in particular, chapter 4, um, or 14, rather, when, when, when Jesus is speaking to the disciples um, at the time of the Last Supper, yeah. um, and he, you know, the words, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and, and the message of peace, and that how as Christians, um, you know, the way that we show the world that we are Christians is is by maintaining a peaceful heart in the midst of our trials and tribulations, because Jesus, that's why Jesus came. Jesus overcame the world, so we could have that peace, and he right. doesn't offer the type of peace that the world offers. You know, when everything's going your way in the world, you can be peaceful. Well, anybody can feel like that when everybody's, you know, Absolutely. when everything's going their way. Yeah. Jesus really teaches us, I, I believe, especially in that passage, um, that that he's the way to peace, and and if we believe in him, and that we, you know, um, follow follow him, uh, and recognize that he made the sacrifice for us, you know, we will feel the peace, and mm-hmm. so. That's where the inspiration by He's the One came from. Yeah, we're, and just, Rosanna, we're running out of time, but I, I don't want to leave you without talking about the tour, the, the, the Peace Tour. Um, th- this is an annual concert tour that you've been doing? I, well, the intention is for it to be annual. Okay. This is the first okay, so this year is the that first we started annual. it. Okay. So um, we're hoping that we can make this an annual tour, correct? And, yeah, and where does the inspiration behind the, the, the tour come from? I mean, you've talked already a little bit about, you know, being Christians and how that inspires us to, to be peaceful. Is that sort of the same motivation? Yes, and I think, like I was saying to you uh, at the time of, of when I was dealing with um, 
the situation with my mom's illness um, and wanting to wanting uh, questioning my own purpose in life. That's when I really felt the call, the call from God to to use my musical talents um, to to give Him glory and and to and to make a difference. And and the way to do that was to help to help spread the Christian faith. Um, you know, in today's society, it seems that um, there's a lot of different movements, like the I Am movement, where you could, you know there is no God and you, God is yourself or right. you believe that you can make all the difference without without God. And I just wanted to, to be um, someone to help um, help spread the Christian faith because that's where I in, in, in my life has fa- have found the most happiness and peace is, is in Jesus and in, in my faith. Right. So, so that was really the call behind it. And I think at the same time, we've made all of these concerts charitable. Uh-huh. So I think if we can spread the Christian faith, but at the same time also raise funds for the needy and for the for the disadvantaged, then we're also being an example of what God calls us to be, which is loving our neighbors. And so, and um, I think that really was you know, the the inspi- inspiration yes. and the passion behind it. So there's one more concert date that's next Saturday, October eighth. Correct. It's actually Sorry, a next Friday. Friday, it's Friday October the eighth. <laughs> Friday, thank you. Friday, October eighth in Toronto at St. Paul's Basilica. Correct. At what time? And it's at 8 p.m., so the doors will open at 7, but the show will start at 8. Okay. And we also have some surprise guest performers uh, at that show that have not been part of the previous um, Peace Concerts. So um, it'd be great to have people come out and, and take a look. Excellent. No, and I, I will be there. Salt and Light Television will be there, and I highly recommend it. I mean, you've already heard some of Rosanna's music. So if you like what you're hearing and you are in the Toronto area, come out uh, at 8 p.m., Come before 8 p.m. on October 8th, Friday, to St. Paul's Basilica to listen to this concert and support the charities that Rosanna is supporting and, and, and enjoy an evening of, of faith-filled music. Rosanna, that's all the time we have. No problem. Um, Thank you very much for having me. Not a problem, and, uh, and I'll see you next Friday. Great. Thanks, Pedro. Okay. Rosanna Reverso, our featured artist of the week. You can get more information about Rosanna and how to purchase her CD, actually, at her website, rosannareverso.com. That's Rosanna with two N's, R-O-S-A-N-N-A, Reverso, R-I-V-E-R-S-O.com. But we'll also put that link on our website as well, saltandlighttv.org slash radio. Here now is Rosanna with her song, Waiting. Traces Cold Lonely places Shadows That reach beyond The drifting Snow Melting the sorrow For every tomorrow
That was Waiting by Rosanna Reversal, and she was singing with Mark Masri. And that brings us to the end of this week's Salt and Light Radio. If you missed any part of this broadcast or you want to listen to any Salt and Light Radio program, remember that we archive all our shows. So just go to saltandlighttv.org radio, and you can listen to them there, or you can download them to listen to them later. We now also have all our shows up on Facebook, so check it out, facebook.saltandlighttv.org. And remember that we are a charitable organization and we rely on your support. If you like what you hear on this program, please send us an email, radio at saltandlighttv.org, to see how you can help us continue our ministry. And thank you for keeping us in your prayers. That's all for today. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and this has been Salt and Light Radio. <laughs>